So we have made it clear that we are joining in the celebration of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week. This is one of the ways in which the entry has been portrayed. This is a, a French painter of the 19th century, James Tussaud, and uh, it has a kind of flavor of melancholy around it. It is not bright colors of triumph, but there's a kind of a brooding sense that um, it's not all well, and yet they were throwing palm branches. This is the way we understand what happened on Palm Sunday. The triumph of Jesus, which is celebrated, in some sense is a real triumph, in other sense is a mock triumph. He rides into the city on a mighty steed of battle, which turns out to be a donkey. And uh, there is confusion and there is tension about his entry into Jerusalem because there's conflict soon afterwards. The adoring crowds would turn against him quickly. How could this happen? What is going on in his mind at this time? Did he get his hopes up and then have them dashed again? That's what we're going to try to address this morning through the Gospels. First, I want to uh, talk about the events leading up to the triumphal entry. And that's not just uh, the immediate events, but in a sense, the three years of events leading up to uh, the triumphal entry. I'm going to put a map up here. And this is a map of the northern part of Israel. Uh, at the bottom of the map, you will see um, the uh, Dead Sea uh, and Jerusalem to the left of it in red. And this goes all the way up to Damascus in Syria. And I wanted to show you this perspective because that's where our story begins today. As the disciples meditated on the whole Christ experience afterwards, and the eyewitnesses were asked, what did you see? What did you see? What was it like? What was he thinking? What were you thinking? And they began to share that information, and then they began to write that information. And the result of all of this is our Gospels. And the, there are four Gospels, and there's been fantastic amount of study of how these four Gospels came to be. But in a sense, the, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are all their triplets because they see from a similar perspective. While God, John, written maybe a decade or two later, looks at another perspective that's a bit different. It is interesting that it's from John's Gospel that we get the idea that Jesus' ministry lasted for three years because John talks about three Passover experiences. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't help us with that. And these three Gospels, though, are almost identical in the way they treat the subject we're going to talk about today. And we're going to use 
the Gospel of Mark as our stopping point. We're going to begin in Caesarea Philippi. In that map, it's way up north. In fact, Caesarea Philippi is not even in Israel today. Yeah, those of you who are old enough to go back to the uh, 1967 uh, uh, Six-Day War in which Israel was fighting for its borders, the Golan Heights were in the news. The Golan Heights include the city of, uh, of Caesarea Philippi, and that is up halfway to Damascus. So today, it's in Lebanon, and right next to a demilitarized zone with Syria and just north of Israel. So Jesus was out in the world when he started this. And he talks about um, his coming experience. Now remember, the, the gospel writers, they didn't get it, as we'll see in these passages. Jesus kept trying to tell him what was going to happen. But the disciples, which included Matthew, included Peter, who is writing the Gospel of Mark through Mark. We see that in uh, studies. And including uh, Luke, who was writing from uh, information he got from the Apostle Paul. So these uh, three voices all represent people who, during his lifetime, did not get it. But now when they go back and review the events of Jesus' life, they realize that he knew what was going to happen all along. And each of them has the same three prophecies, we're going to call them, in which Jesus talks about his coming death and resurrection in detail. We're going to begin in the, with the first prophecy, if you will. And this first prophecy is... And we're going to use the Gospel of Mark. It is found in Mark 8. But before we go to that, we'll give you a vision to remember. Because the, the big event that happened shortly before this was uh, what, we, uh, uh, what we know of as the feeding of 4,000 people. This was so dramatic that Jesus was able to take some loaves of bread and multiply them and feed 4,000 people. And each time there's a dramatic event which says, man, he's, he's going to really sweep in now, Jesus took the disciples aside and said something like what he said in Mark chapter 8, shortly after the feeding of the 4,000. Mark 8, beginning with verse 27. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, that city up north that I showed you. On the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist and others, Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them, not to tell anyone about him. So there are interesting things going on here. First of all, um, Jesus wants them to understand who he is. And he asks them that question in a way that draws out. They knew he was special, so they threw some names out that represented some special uh, 
factor in God's dealing with Israel. But then Peter said, you are the Messiah. And that would, we won't go into all that that meant, but it spoke a lot, a fantastic amount about Jesus' mission. And it was right on target, but then Jesus says, don't tell everyone. So he wants the disciples to understand, but he doesn't want it to be publicly known. Now, it's really interesting that this happened in Caesarea Philippi, outside of Jerusalem. In fact, outside of Israel. That's where the issue of Messiah first came up. And uh, one understanding of why Jesus did this in this place is that talking about Messiah in Jerusalem during the time of the Passover, which is coming, talking about this in Jerusalem uh, would have been explosive, you know, would have been uh, brought everything to a head and, and, and that was, this wasn't time for that. So he talked about it in a place where it wouldn't mean anything <laughs> because Caesarea Philippi was Caesarea, that stands for Caesar, Philippi, that stands for Philip, and it was a pagan city ruled by the capital of that area under Philip the Tetrarch, the great grand or the grandson of Herod the Great, and it was a Roman pagan city. It was an ancient city that lasted for 2,000 years before that, and it was the home of the worship of the Greek god Pan, who's that little guy with the horns and, and feet like goat, and he was the god of nature, and therefore the god of spring, and therefore the god of fertility, and therefore the god of sex. That's where Jesus brought out the announcement that he is the Messiah expected by Israel. Then verse 31, then uh, uh, he began to teach them. Matthew says, from that time on, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, no Lord, no, and be rejected by the elders. Don't tell us that, Lord the chief priests and scribes, and be killed. Don't hear you, don't hear you. And after three days, rise again. Didn't hear you because they weren't listening after the death part. Now, it's really interesting. Well, let's go on with verse 32. He said all this quite openly. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Of course, in Matthew's gospel, we have the confession of Peter. It's elaborate, and you are this, the rock upon which I will build my church, and so forth. But the disciples at this time, they, they, they just could not accept the idea of a suffering Messiah. The Messiah was victory. Messiah was the king. Messiah was fulfillment. They didn't, they didn't wait for the bottom line, which was he will rise again. In fact, the prophecy that he will rise again the third day is included. So the disciples, as they reflected on all this, they said, man, it really hit us when, 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 when he, we saw that crown of thorns, when they saw him 
actually, when we saw him actually hanging on the cross, but as they talked among themselves, they realized he was trying to tell us. He was trying to tell us. We weren't hearing him. And, and, and he also tried to tell us about the resurrection and give us that hope. And we didn't listen far enough for that. Then, a little while later, we have the second prophecy. And this is another incident. Again, it comes after a very striking and powerful event. And that event was the transfiguration in which Jesus went up on a mountain. We think it's Mount Tabor near uh, where he grew up in Nazareth. And he went up to that mountain and Peter, James, and John saw him glorified in some wonderful way. And they, they were sure that they saw two figures with him, the figures of Moses and Elijah. That image was so powerful in their minds and it was right after this, shortly after this, that Jesus took the disciples aside and told them the same story. Mark 9, verse 30. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. Now let's take, take our map in our minds again. He was up in Caesarea Philippi. Now he's down in Galilee, which is where he grew up. Nazareth, that was his hometown just on the northwest part of uh, the Sea of Galilee. And that was, and then if you go from Nazareth down to Jerusalem, you have to go through Samaria, which was interesting in the Gospels as well. But this second episode, this second prophecy, came in Galilee. Verse 30 again. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands. They will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying, and they were afraid of him. A big dramatic event happens, like the feeding of the 4,000. Jesus took them aside and said, look, you're going to be misled by a lot of things, but here's what you can expect. Another big event happened in the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, all excited, talking to their friends. Jesus took them aside, gave them the same warning. The Son of Man will be betrayed, killed, and after three days, he will rise again. All those details are also in that second prophecy. And then there's a third prophecy. Now we were up in Caesarea Philippi the first time. Now we're down in Galilee. And here we are on the way to Jerusalem. And he's walking toward Jerusalem with his disciples. And this is going to be the great confrontation. And he wants to forewarn them. It's not something that immediately happened that's so dramatic, but something that's about to happen. And so he says again, in Mark 10, 32, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed and those who followed were afraid. He took the 12 aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, look, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death, and then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him. Oh, more detail. 
mock him and spit upon him, flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. This is the third time, three different settings, closer and closer to the event. And Matthew and Mark and Luke all report this. And, and, and the reason this is so important in their, in their gospel is because they wanted the people to know that Jesus was not blindsided. That Jesus was not surprised. They all were, but he wasn't. And as they looked back, they said, there are at least three times when he took us aside and tried to quiet us down, not to get too high or excited because of the great things happening, but to just take what comes and to recognize there is darkness ahead and then there is light ahead. In retrospect, they realized that he had brought this subject up often to prepare their minds and their hearts, the warning of his harsh death, the promise of his resurrection, and even the detail of the three days, each time in all three Gospels. During this week, there will be endless drama of events, interactions, secret meetings, and intrigues. All kinds of things will happen. The people who shouted Hosanna are going to shout, crucify him. You're going to be totally confused all this, but remember, I've told you all along that this was going to happen. And, 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 and if, if you remember that, you're going to remember I also told you about the good news on the other side. But they didn't remember until maybe years later as they talked among themselves. Do you remember what he said? Do you remember? And so now he goes into Jerusalem, confrontations, accusations, polarization, and, and, and then Passover comes. Passover Eve will be this Wednesday in Jewish families. So think of you being part of Jesus' family and preparing for the Passover. And now we're going to go to the Lord's table and have the Passover with him.